Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Ariel is the COO of Himalaya Media, an innovative podcast platform with leading monetization and offerings and audience growth solutions. Before joining Himalaya, she started her career at Accenture as the product lead of Global Collaboration Solutions. She then joined the One Music Group, a Sequoia Capital portfolio focusing on music innovation to lead their global expansion to 20 plus countries and became profitable in two years. Ariel has a Master of Science degree from the Stanford Engineering School. And Ariel, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Thank you for having me here, Cam. It's actually a very exciting um, opportunity for me as well in the way that I have been listening uh, listen to your show from the beginning since I got the you know, COO title. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. And we got introduced about a year ago as well. And, and I was talking to you about your podcast platform, which we're now going to be joining and, and um, having all of our episodes for the Second in Command podcast on that. So why don't you just tell us briefly about what Himalaya and the podcast platform is that you have and how unique it is? Sure. Um, I mean, the goal of Himalaya, well, if it goes back to the mission of it, is really trying to build up the platform to share knowledge and uh, help people to reach happy living. Um, and then based on that, uh, looking into the current podcasting um, industry, I think the biggest struggle is still for um, creators, especially smaller creators. How do you really... Um, build up your own community and grow your own community and audience from there. Because mm-hmm. right now, I think thanks to technology and thanks to the mobile phone penetration, everyone can easily record and share your sound. But how do you become interactive with your audience? And how do you build the community around you of curiosity, of sharing and connections? I think that's going to be the key to help not only the creator grow, but help the entire podcast industry grow further. So that's where Himalaya comes from and want to empower every creators as well as the audience um, and on the platform that you can listen to content um, as anywhere else but meanwhile you can engage with the creator you love anytime you want yeah it's interesting I just um, I just was on the main ted.com website I go to the main ted every year and I was sharing my favorite talk uh, from ted which just was released this morning and um, it was a woman who just escaped from, from North Korea about 10 years ago, and her story is fascinating. But you can already see the comments happening with people that are watching it. And I think that's where some of the, that's, that's really what, what Himalaya brings in is more of that community around the podcast versus just here's another one to listen to, correct? Exactly, exactly. That's the same vision as we have as well. So we just launched a community feature actually um, earlier this month. And then every creator can build up your own community. And within that community, uh, you can share all kinds of information. You can also engage with um, the audience group. Um, so it's pretty much become your own fan club on the platform that you can share different formats of content and also even live events and videos and so on. Awesome. And I actually stumbled into your office one day about uh, four months ago. I was in San Francisco and I was recording a podcast episode with Jordan Harbinger on the Jordan Harbinger show. And somehow he was doing his recording in the, the Himalaya offices and we got to, to spend some time talking at it. It, it, was, it was really cool actually seeing some of the culture as well. So you've been with Himalaya now for just over a year, correct? Yes. 
Okay. So walk us through how you got involved with Himalaya and um, how you and the CEO interact and how did you kind of divide and conquer the roles and responsibilities between you? Sure, sure. Um, well, as you already uh, mentioned, I started my career with consulting, but before that at Stanford, I already started like the student startup groups. So that was back to 2008 that we were like taking the you know Stanford courses and then form a team of three and create lots of Facebook apps. So back to the time, my passion, I already figured out is always in startups that make something you know different that's going to change the world or at least create value for certain people that can significantly you know make their life better. Um, but then. Um, I was going to um, consulting was also when I was creating all kinds of Facebook apps and games, you feel like, so what's the real value behind it? What's going to be the sustainable impact on, on the society if, you know, the, the popular Facebook app you made is popular for three or six months or even one year, you're lucky, but after that, you still have to come up with new games, mm-hmm. have people you know, looking for fun. Um, that's why I switched to um, the consulting industry. I feel like that can be somewhere that can provide, um, like, uh, you know, sustainable business value. Um, which was really lucky that during the five years at Accenture, I was able to um, help multiple clients across all kind of industries, um, including like Facebook, Google, or Chevron, or Best Buy, and all kind of um, uh, company to see how they already operate and what are the you know, things we can help uh, from technology, from um, the new innovation standpoint, right? So that's always triggering me to think about then what's next. Now I know what's going on on the internet side and the, on the like app side. And I also know what's in the business world. And I pretty much have seen uh, all kinds of industries in each um, you know department what's in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that real trigger comes to when I was pregnant with my first baby, then I started thinking about, so the real value moving forward is the question I'm going to always ask myself is like, how do I keep creating value for the next generation, including my own kids, right? So that's when I took the, um, the one music uh, group opportunity right. um, and helped them to develop um, the, the new market globally. And then after that, I feel like it's, and, and then I, I actually is doing that time because I get really busy and then I have this one little child to take care of and spend nighttime with um, that I start to listen to lots of podcasts. Uh, and I, okay. Yeah, play lots of um, podcast content and like the song shows with, with him as well. So that quickly grew my passion for that industry as well and then realized there are many things I can also help in that industry. So when this opportunity come to me, um, all of my friends all the, always joke with me that every time you had a new baby, like, you took a new startup. New company. <laughs> yeah, and also it's not just a company, but it's a startup that yep. I <laughs> jumped into right away. And um, I, I, I want to ask you about being the mom with, with um, running a COO as well, but I want to go there in a couple of questions. I, I first want to ask you about Stanford itself. I mean, you've got a pretty serious degree from Stanford. And, um, you know, while you were at Stanford, um, do you think there were some key lessons that you maybe pulled out of the Stanford engineering school that you still carry with you in your COO role today? For sure. Um, actually, I feel like the, the best lesson from Stanford is like, you never take any lessons as, you know, just a course. Um, mm. I would say the one change in my life was back to time um, about the Facebook application. It's what 
taught by B.J. Fogg. Um, but back to the time, it was the very first um, moment that Facebook launched its own API that empowered individual developers to quickly develop and then release the apps to you know con general consumers. Mm. Right? So we were lucky enough that BJ identified this trend and then convinced the school somehow to start a course, although back to the time, no one really has done that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> the professor himself hasn't, but he was like, I have this like great idea and I see this great region and you will come to join the class and it's not going to be like textbook in the class. It's going to be guest. Right. It's over to share with you the industry experience and you can ask them whatever question you have and then it's going to be on yourself to form a team as well wow. but to deliver two apps during the one um semester interesting stanford is like quarter so it's like 10 weeks yeah well, it's <laughs> interesting like i think back to to what you must have been like in high school and i would imagine you were one of the top students in high school like getting straight a's and at stanford I think what you might have maybe also learned was everybody was straight A's and you were now surrounded by true A players. Did you see the value of having a true A player team? Because I went to a college where we were all C players. You know, none of us were that smart. And I was surrounded by a bunch of people that were very kind of average. And I don't think until like much later in life when I started meeting people from Stanford and Yale and Harvard and going, wow, you guys just operate at a different level. Did you notice that in terms of building your companies and hiring A's? Have you taken that with you at all or no? Um, I definitely agree with you that we should always go for the A players, um, either for team, for the company. But uh, I don't really, um, like even when I come back from Stanford, I don't really feel like uh, the school brand name will guarantee um, the talent quality there. Hmm. Um, so to me, it was never the school. It's really how, um, you know, uh, as the experience working with that particular person reflects um, the real quality of that person. Interesting. Yeah. So you still had to suss them out. How about at Sequoia when you were working with Sequoia? I mean, clearly one of the top VCs on the planet, you were doing some consulting with them. What do you think are the key lessons you pulled from Sequoia that you still work with or use today? Oh, uh, so I, I didn't consult for uh, Sequoia. Um, okay. Good investor of um, the one smart piano or the ones uh, music. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, one music was a Sequoia company. Got it. Okay. So, so um, but, but I mean, they, I have lots of respect for them because they are really always aim for um, what's the next big thing that's going to change the entire um, world. It's mm -hmm. not about industry. It's about um, what's the fundamental value and innovation this technology going to bring into the society. So did they push you, did, did being a portfolio company then, did that push the company? Did it drive you further or to think bigger than you would have normally? Uh, definitely. Yeah. So I think for that part is really always go after, um, like if you look at a bigger picture, what's going to be, you know, the, the final destination of this company, of the current product and strategy, and then what's come next. Hmm. Okay. So you talked a little bit about new innovation technology. Where do you think is happening inside of businesses that you're seeing, especially being in the Bay Area? Are you seeing anything that's happening right now with, with technology or innovation that we should be aware of? Um, I think uh, innovation in the Bay Area is going on all the time. Mm -hmm. um, just recently, um, well, I'll say each trend is you know going to last for a few um, months. Or sometimes years 
and we are at a transition point that mobile, te mobile technology um, is so developed and then daily application is also so developed. So I think this is a time that people start to realize um, what's the you know, uh, total impact this kind of media change and information change is re reflecting on people's daily life. Uh, and that's going to further you know, um, generate additional opportunities for technology innovation. So, for example, I mean, before, um, before podcast, before YouTube, you have to rely on the traditional media, which is really sure. just paper, radio, and TV. Um, and then it's just hard to find the niche group that you're so attached to, and then to empower the whole group um, to, you know, record, share the, the voice, and then build a community around it and be able to involve and engage with the community on a daily basis. Like in the team. But nowadays, all of those become so easy. So I think that's the reason why we are seeing podcasts suddenly become so popular, although it has been around for you know, 10, 12 years. Right. Same reason that we are seeing emerging change in the entire um, information consumption, uh, switching from um, traditional video website now to Instagram, Snapchat, and um, more things coming through. So I think that's definitely going to be the current big opportunity here that the market is ready. People start to realize that and then innovation is going on. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, I've definitely noticed now in the last five years where I used to have my laptop with me all the time. I was consuming all of my information off my laptop. It's all off my phone now that, uh, that I almost having a laptop is almost a pain in the ass now. Um, and did you notice um, at the same time that you feel kind of lonely when there's nothing played in the background? I noticed that last night. All of a sudden, I was yeah, I was I was kind of flipping. I'm like, geez, I don't have anything else to do. Like, what am I going to do next? That's a weird feeling that I have to have a device give me something. It was like the each of the apps dopamine was gone. Yeah, I've been I've been devouring way more content from podcasts now. Um, I, I kind of moved to audiobooks and then now to podcasts just because I can get a lot more interesting information about what I'm interested in right now versus having to read the next book. I don't know. It's cool. So being a mom, you've got two kids, one that's two years old, one that's four years old, and you're also the COO of a high growth technology company. How do you, how do you manage it all? How do you, how do you do it? I'm a, I'm a guy who's had two kids and women are already like, yeah, what are you doing? How do you do it all? Well, I think you really have to lean in. <laughs> Um, well, I'm lucky enough that my husband's very supportive, although he's also running his own startup. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, our parents, or I mean, the grandparents, is mm. always are always there to help. So that definitely um, lifts a lot of things from you know our plate. But meanwhile, I think as what I've learned from daily work, meanwhile, as um, you know, taking care of kids, there are many ways that you can identify the pattern. You can spend higher quality time with them and then uh, also make you know your life easier uh, mm -hmm. happier so nowadays um in the house um that uh, no matter how busy we are still um in the morning we try to go for like little um, jogging uh, <laughs> nearby so that's like half an hour time that we have dedicated yeah. between me and my husband and also our two kids um and also um before sleep we always uh, read a book or sometimes I'm too tired. I'm just going to play some podcast with them so they can enjoy the story behind it. That's cute. 
yeah, that helps a lot as well. How about, how about at work? Do you notice that it has helped you um, at work in building a company that you time box better? Like you don't work constantly because you have to leave? Um, or have you seen that impact at all? Uh, well, I feel like at this role, actually, I have to be um, reachable yeah. <laughs> almost um, like, all, all the time. But um, I think what I have learned is really how to further empower people, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, see the strengths and also patterns and different motivations behind each member within the company that I can better dedicate and better plan uh, and schedule for everyone. So um, till this point, I, I will say there are always, you know, you never know what's going to happen next thing at a startup, like, but on daily operation level, we are already in a pretty good shape. Cool. Now you've got, how many employees do you have at Himalaya? Um, so right now in the San Francisco office, is about 20 people. Okay. And then do you have some that are remote as well or in other offices? Yeah, we have a few um, in Boston, New York. Cool. Um, and then we also have developers and based in China right now. Okay. So you're, so you're working with a global team. How do you, how do you compete, especially in the Bay Area? How do you compete with the role right now on talent or the, not the role in talent, but the war on talent where you're, you know, you're competing against companies that can put more money out or better perks out? How do you recruit and attract people to, um, to a startup and to a technology company when they have so many other choices? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, for us, uh, we don't feel like we're competing against technology companies. Again, this is for people who have a true passion about um, audio and then knowledge or mm. content sharing. Um, so whenever if you want, you're really passionate about how to empower everyone to share the voice, to be able to reach out to the right audience and impact with the audience to further grow, um, then we are a very unique opportunity here. That is a group of people firmly believe in that region I'm so passionate about that uh, mission overall. Got it. So you're really recruiting based on your core purpose and the mission of the company versus and, and attracting people who love what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then you're, you're kind of bringing them in from there. Exactly. Okay. So um, what do you do on, on the interviewing side that's different? Do you have any way to know or to select people that you think you're doing well? Mm. People always look good on paper. <laughs> Yeah. Um, when interviewing people, actually, I try to usually give them at least one or two cases and that matches our, you know, daily operation um, tasks or problems that we have to um, address. Uh, and I want to see um, what's that person's, um, you know, uh, thinking pattern behind it and what's the priority and Mm. does it reflect the value system behind it and meanwhile i also always love to ask about that person's vision and plan for the next five years and see how he's um, planning for himself but meanwhile what's his vision in the entire industry and what's like his personal mission uh, out there usually combined with those two i mean the case um, question as well as the vision question then you can get a pretty good understanding of the, the person yeah, you get a good understanding of them. You also get a good understanding of how to recruit them, how to how to actually sell them on joining the company too. Mm-hmm. Where have you been growing? Where have you been working on your skill set as a COO? Well, 
uh, <laughs> uh, back to the time I still remember when 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 I first got this um title, I was like, yeah, what does the CEO mean? <laughs> um, and I know it's gonna be supporting the CEO of the company and supporting the entire company, but how does it look like on a daily basis? How do I know that I'm doing you know the best as I can? So back to the time I was just searching around. And that's how I found you guys. <laughs> and right. I still remember I was listening to, I think it was the second episode was Eric Church. Right? When you guys mentioned it about the book, Rocket Fuel, that's the first book I bought for like understanding around CEO, how, how that works. Sure. <laughs> so um, definitely, so there are some research, there are some readings, and then it's chatting with people around. And then hopefully... Um, as joining the CEO Alliance um, Summit that they can also get connected more on CEOs and learn from them. And then meanwhile, I feel like it's really just the daily operation um, and the fast growing startup phase, you know, it's like training me every day, every minute. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you, you actually will be coming to your first COO Alliance event um, next week. So it's going to be cool that you'll be able to be here. In fact, you'll, you'll be here before the episode goes live. So we can make a little post interview after. Um, um, so the CEO, where is the CEO and you, how do you get on the same page with the CEO has the vision typically of where they're growing the company? How did you get on the same page as the CEO as to what they wanted to build? And then how do you get them on the same page with you as to how you're going to build it and what your plan is? How do you do that? Sure. Um, our CEO, Yu, uh, I think he's definitely a great visionary. Um, so, um, he come from, like a CS background. He's amazing at um, recommendation algorithm, but also he sees the huge opportunity uh, in the audio industry here. So um, based on how we are working together on a daily basis, uh, I feel like definitely the foundation is we share the same vision, the same passion, and then we trust each other completely. Um, and then based on that, we usually have um, weekly touch bases, but meanwhile, sometimes even daily um, you know, touch base point as things are moving so quickly these days. Mm -hmm. And then um, for him to come with me, it's pretty simple. Like what's his region, what's the strategy thinking behind it, what's gonna be you know, the timeline we're looking at if that's a you know, valid goal uh, to make, and then what's gonna be the uh, KPIs or uh, OKRs around that that we can assign to each team. And then for me to work with him, I think also um, we're already getting to the stage that I can share with him like what's the current status and what are, does it take to hear the goal that he has in mind. And then we can quickly narrow down that on the execution level, what's going to be the plan around it. So, so far, I think it actually has been smoother um, than, than what I have been reading about. Maybe part of the reason is we both come from um, program background. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sometimes really just two nerds talking through some data and optimizations. <laughs> Sometimes it's me giving like some business like terms in the meeting, but still I think on the big logic wise where we're aligned. Interesting. I love that. Yeah. Two nerds just sitting talking about the data. The, um, do you ever have to have the uncomfortable conversations where you say no to the CEO or where you tell them that something's going wrong. Um, I, was, I was speaking with a, a COO in Thailand the other day. I coached the second in command for a, a large company in Thailand and he needs to go to the CEO and tell them that something's wrong and tell them there's some stuff about the CEO's kind of personality that is causing problems. And he's very nervous about having that discussion. And I said, well, you should, you should just do it because like, they want, they need the truth. 
do you ever, can you walk us through that at all and, and what your thoughts have been around kind of having those tough conversations? Uh, well, actually, I say no to him a lot, hmm. but I never feel nervous around it. Um, well, part of the reason is because back to the beginning, it was really him trying to recruit me and then join the company we call grow the whole thing to where we are today. Right. So that relationship, that dynamic in between, I think it's, it's really, um, I mean, it's, it's so um, close with so much trust and kind of like friends ongoing. Um, so I'm very comfortable anytime I want to sh- tell him like, no, this is not the right way and that's not realistic. And then even there are some feedback about improvement coming from uh, employees of a company that can just take to pull him aside quickly. Hey, I just want you to know um, there are a few uh, feedbacks um, that I think we can also help you to like do better in your job. And here are so and so. What do you think? And well, then what can we do um, afterwards? And I think you just actually said something that's probably key to it as well as you pull them aside and you, you do it privately, right? You're not giving them that in feedback in front of the rest of the team, are you? Oh, uh, or do you? Well, it depends. <laughs> um, so we do have like all hands meetings that, uh, if I know something quick, I mean, I'll just remind him in a friendly way. Um, and then for, I think more specific feedback or so on, we always try to take it one-on-one. Yeah, I think that's the key as well is when you have those uncomfortable discussions or the conflict discussions one-on-one, they feel safe. And when you're doing it in front of the rest of the team, they feel cornered. And, yeah. and if you do it in that safe environment, they're more receptive to it, right? Yes. Yeah. Sure. So um, Himalaya, have you raised money as a company? Uh, yes. Okay. How much have you raised? Well, it, it's a little tricky question. Can we actually not talk too much yeah, about I don't have. To, yeah, I don't even have to um, go there. So we, we, we won't have yeah. to ask that. But because... But you are operate. You're operating with some investor cash, and um, so how do you answer the questions to investors or to outside capital? Um, mm-hmm. And how do you work with them when when they're trying to push you? How do you how do you work with them and communicate with them? Um. So for for us, I think given the current stage we have, we have very specific milestones as a great mm-hmm. investor. Um. So it becoming um. At this stage, still pretty simple in a way. Like at the agreed time, mm-hmm. uh, what's the data look like? What's the major achievement? And is that hitting our milestone? Uh, what are the major strategic, you know, um, discussions and conclusions from that? And share that with investors and see how they feel. Yeah. Uh, well, at that stage, at this moment, and so far, I mean, as we are moving pretty fast and achieving pretty good results. Mm-hmm. So it has been uh, still pretty smooth. Yeah. And, and so have you over the last year, because you and I first spoke about a year ago, has, have your assumptions on the industry changed at all? Um, I mean, we always kind of pivot a little bit along the way or bob and weave a little bit along the way. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you noticed anything at all in the industry, in the podcasting space that's made the company you know, drastically change direction or are you pr- still pretty much on, on course? I feel like the industry has been booming yeah. in the last year. Uh, I think it's probably just one or two months right after our first conversation. Then you start to notice all the PR releases around fundraising, acquisitions, and all kinds of inspirations from uh, international market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a result, um, 
you can see lots of bigger players, like even including Google, is getting into the market. You can you can also see lots of huge uh, celebrities and influencers tapping into the market, which is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, if for Himalaya, I think um, the biggest impact is still around um, that now we actually have a much um, bigger creator base that we can work with. Um, so as a result of that, because um, in the beginning, uh, when we started, it was really about polish the product, make the best product available there for the for the creators and well for and also for the audience. But nowadays, it's becoming all right. So we have this product ready. It's already in getting like very you know highly rated, uh, getting um, named as one of the you know, best podcast apps in the market. So how do we photograph out here? And then that becomes to focus on how we can reach more creators and really help them uh, more directly to, to grow their um, own shows and figure out a way to sustainably support their own community as well as their, like, their daily work. Mm-hmm. So that has been shifted and become the major focus of the company now. Makes sense. How does, how does Himalaya uh, make its money? Uh, so right now we are um, passing out quite a few different things. Um, the traditional podcast monetization model is through ads. So you have this network of shows and you help them to sell ads and you get a um, revenue share from that. Now, what we are trying to do is um, to see how we can further empower every creator to monetize and thus the platform can benefit from that. Mm. Because for ads today in the industry, it still has to be pretty big shows like average downloads above 20,000 or so per episode um, to be able to get some ads opportunity and to make some serious money. Mm-hmm. So we feel like this um, can, it's just going to be hard to um, apply to every single podcasters or whoever want to create a voice there. So um, our solution is let's try to explore what's the additional monetization models for the creators um, as directly focusing their own content and focusing on their own audience and then by helping them um, you know grow in those um, domains then the platform can uh, hopefully also monetize from that got it what do you what do you focus on day to day in your role as the COO hmm. so many things <laughs> of course um, I, I think I'm definitely the integrator of the company mm-hmm. in, in the ways definitely um, need to focus on helping, you know, have the CEO's vision get to be exaggerated at the operation level and then um, keep each team um, informed and also collaborate on the fast-changing environment. Um, and then actually it's changing also, um, not on day-to-day basis, but I think if I look back to one year ago, it's about how do I handle everything and then quickly switch to, okay, now how do I identify the past uh, the best talent in each domain for each role? Mm. And today is now I have all these talents and we are growing so fast. Then how do I empower every team within the company um, to also you know, be able to 
move as fast as they can to deliver results as fast as they can and also maintain a really uh, great culture within the company. You know, when, it, when a company grows quickly, there's often the, um, the feeling like I need to hire someone, we need to hire someone, we need to like, how do you avoid that feeling of needing to always hire people just because you're growing quickly? Mm, I, I think I or, or still feel the need of hiring people all the time and we're still hiring yeah. but now I think it's all about um, identifying a player fits the best for the role mm-hmm. uh, and also really hold it you know to the proven of the idea um, and the uh, well I would say it's really just to prove the idea and also the product market fit before you further uh, grow a specific team around it Got it. Okay. If we were to go back to the 22-year-old Ariel, you're graduating from Stanford Engineering and you're getting ready to start on your business career. What's a, a word of advice that you would give yourself um, on how to exceed in business that now you know to be true, but you wish you'd known earlier? Um, well, actually, I would love to tell the, the young Ariel saying just, you know, just uh, do it <laughs> in a way that you don't have to worry about too many things. You don't have to, um, you know, uh, be were too consultative um, uh, just when you are facing all kinds of uncertainties. Um, I want to tell the young lady that um, you are empowered to, to do whatever you feel most passionate about mm-hmm. uh, and everything else will come along. That's awesome. Ariel Liu, the COO for Himalaya. Thank you very much for being on the Second Command podcast. I really appreciate this. Thanks for having me, Ken. This is an amazing experience for me as well. Oh, you're welcome. We'll see you in a couple of weeks at our, um, our next event too. Yeah, looking forward. See you this weekend, actually. Yep. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.